Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out Swiss and European fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Rodney. And Rodney is based in Lausanne and he's the CEO and the founder of Avalia Systems, which is uh, a company helping investors investing in startups and scale-ups and also the incumbents with their efforts to modernize their IT infrastructure. Maybe Rodney, you can introduce yourself and explain a little bit how you got to do what you do and, and also tell us a little bit about your team and Avalia Systems. Thanks, Rudy. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, the whole thing started in 2016 uh, in a trip to Silicon Valley. You know, I had almost 20 years of experience at that time and wanted to start something new. I just had uh, led a startup uh, to its first VC round and it was in good shape, good uh, scale-up position, a company called Combo Group, still going uh, very well. But I wanted to go back to software. And there are a few areas that I wanted to work, a few pains that I had felt during my, my career. And I, I went out there, did a bit of research, came back to Switzerland and tried out uh, these three different ideas. The real deep motivation personally was to have a place that had a culture that I really enjoyed working and had people that worked within these values and that shared these values. Uh, and then the business idea that really stuck out was that of auditing uh, technology, both for investments, mergers and acquisitions, private equity investments, uh, venture capital investments, and um, internal decisions, internal audits to modernize technology that, uh, you know, in Switzerland, for example, there's been an early adoption and buildup of, of technologies, uh, let's say in banking, in uh, insurance companies, in industry in general. Uh, but this infrastructure now is, is a legacy uh, that touches many parts of the corporations and it's often hard to figure out what to do. So, so that, that was the playing field. Uh, I came back and uh, the guys from Canton de Vaux uh, were very supportive and uh, helped me out. They hooked me up with, um, with EPFL and then from there they connected me with um, my partner, Olivier Lichty which is a professor at the University of Applied Sciences in Yverdon. And his life had been research in software engineering and software engineering metrics. And the idea behind our thesis was, okay, everybody looks at technology and when they're assessing technology, it's a conversation. There aren't uh, hard metrics. They're shared, commonly shared in the, in the industry where people uh, will discuss them like, EBITDA or net revenue. So these are some terms in finance. They're, you know, there's still some flexibility to them, but they're quite well understood. In technology, they're more vague. And, okay. and here we had an opportunity to take real data, transform that into metrics, and then make data-driven assessments and advise uh, people making these decisions uh, using that data. 
So if you drill down to this a little bit, so what does that mean um, in terms of your services or your service range, right? What does Avalia Systems do? What we do is, uh, because we built this technology, we first came up with this idea, it should be a product, and it does a, a scan and provides like this balance sheet of the technology for people to figure out what, they, what to do. Uh, what we realized is that this is very contextual, driven and very complex. And a lot of clients, even if they have the skills, they don't have the time and they don't have a methodology to go through all that, be it uh, investors or internal teams. So we started using our own technology to provide the service to say, okay, look, we did a deal, for example, Carrefour, the, the French retailer, invested in a fintech to provide banking services, right, to their clients. and they. They have credit cards to their clients, and, but they deny credit to 70% of the people that apply. So they thought, okay, we can provide banking services to this 70% that we reject. And from that, perhaps build a credit history, increase the number of clients that we can provide credit, and they wanted to do that. But how would they know if that technology can scale? So you take a startup and you put uh, Carrefour, it's one of the largest retailers in the world. How do you know that this, they, they can take the volume? How do you know if they can uh, grow in functionality fast enough to support the business needs? How do you know if the team, how do you know if the way they work, the processes, and how do you know if the product, the technology they have can support and deliver the business plan that was there? And that's, that's where we come in, to connect to the systems that are used to manage and deliver software products to the market and from that data, we can see the history, we can see the trends. And with that, then we can tell the client, oh, look, you know, you, it's understaffed here, or this piece of the technology needs to be updated. Oh, by the way, this architecture is fantastic and you can do more than you initially thought. These are all the types of insights that we'll pull in that align with the business impact and the, the investment thesis behind the deal. You mentioned that uh, for you, the techni technical diligence is a conversation. But on the other hand, you know, we're not talking about uh, having an art degree and uh, discussing the pros and cons of a, of a play or of an artwork. It has to be working and it has to make money for investors. So what is your process? How do you judge whether the technology is good, whether that's a, or a scale-up or, or a startup? In any case, this is an emerging technology, right? If you give us a little bit more detail, how do you go about this? Even, you know, whether you call it a conversation, that's fine. But I just, I'm wondering how, uh, how concretely you can say that uh, this is something promising or not. The key thing is when you, when you talk to companies that do lots of deals. So when I was in the Valley, I was talking to Microsoft, I was talking to Oracle, uh, and, and even companies here that have been doing that for a long time. The tendency is to take a guided tour of the technology. Whoever is selling the business or looking for investment is showing you all the parts that they know and all the parts that they want to show they're proud of. So you don't actually get to see what's not so pretty. What we do that's different is by using data from their software development uh, tooling. So these are tools that help them manage uh, versions of the software, version control systems like Git or GitLab, GitHub. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, these are tools that help them control the pace of the work and what to do and how fast they do things. So tools like Jira, Trello uh, are, are used, right? All of these tools have APIs. So we pull data from these APIs and we start correlating relationships. We start looking at trends and then we find anomalies. And when we find these anomalies, that's the discussion we will have. So the conversation and the contextualization is on top of data. So instead of going through a guided tour, we start guiding the conversation and we're led by the data. And that's where the insights come. Sometimes even the target, the company that's being analyzed, doesn't know what we discover. So I can tell you a a case, for example, where we came into an acquisition of a startup. This was a relatively small company, less than 20 people, six to eight people in software development. Uh, Mm -hmm. We come in and we pull all the data and we say, okay, for every code file, who developed and touched and changed that file in the course of a year? And then we found that only four people were actually touching files. And there were only three people really working hard. And we expected to see a lot more. So that was weird. Uh, so we asked the, 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 the founder for more data. So we got two years of data. And then when we look at that, we saw that a person that had left the team basically built 80% of the code. And after this person had left, no one touched that code anymore for a number of reasons. One is this guy was more senior. The other developers were more junior. Second, there was no documentation. Third, there was no testing infrastructure. So if you made a change and broke the software, you wouldn't be able to know until it was too late. And and that was an insight that when we asked the, the founder, the CEO there, we said, look, how did you let this guy go? When we see the data, we can actually say, look, this guy built 80% of your code. No one touched it for the past 12 months. How did you let this happen? And the response when, when the guy looked at the data was like, I didn't know it was so bad. These guys were working all together long hours. How would I know that this one individual built so much more than the others? He was not telling me. The others weren't telling me. And I didn't have the right. data. If I were to summarize it, it's a guided tour of the technology, right? Where you go deeper than just producing diagrams and slides. But also it's a bit more structured than... Uh, relying on what people tell you, like uh, this founder in this example said, right? Exactly. So instead of being guided in the tour, we guide the tour or the data guides the tour. We use a methodology called goal question metrics. So we see what's the business goal, what are the questions we need to ask to see if these business goals can be delivered, and then what are the metrics that we need to look for to make assessments about whether these goals can be achieved or not. All right. So you touch upon technical diligence and uh, how, how you do it, but also, you know, you have clients who are not interested in technology per se, but they're looking for a solution that uh, will make them money, right? So how do you help them uh, to, assess, uh, to assess the targets in, from commercialization potential angle? So usually our clients have already a commercial strategy or a growth vision for what they're trying to do. And that work has been done. So they will take a a company or a piece of technology and say, we want to take it to that stage. What we tell them is, all right, with the technology you have, the team you have, the process you have, can you reach that stage or not? And if you can't, what do you need to do so you're able to reach that stage? 
So maybe your technology isn't secure enough or it doesn't scale and doesn't support the volume of traffic. Instead of trying to redo or reevaluate their business strategy, we take their business strategy, look at what's on the ground and say, look, this is, these are the missing parts for you to achieve what you set out to do. And from time to time, there's also an opportunity. We find, oh, actually, you can achieve more than you set out to do if you leverage these strengths that we found in this organization. Well, what is your unique angle or unique advantage? How do you differ from, let's say, big four or consulting firms or independent advisors? So when we talk about uh, big four or big consultancies, they usually work on a higher level, very strategic, but they won't go down to the detail on the very practical, which teams need to do what, which technologies should be chosen, what needs to be updated, what parts of the code, what changes in process. Our advice is very concrete. What are the things that need to be done? So we don't go up to the strategic level. We're not going to tell you what are the next big trends. There are other companies like Gartner or McKinsey, they'll be doing that. We will take your strategic decision, the client's strategic decision, and tell them exactly what to do. Big Four won't do that. They won't get to that level, right? They will work on a more uh, strategic, a higher level. On the other hand, if you take... um, if you take a, a small consultancy or, or, or an expert, they will usually be very good at one thing. So they might be very good at security or they might be very good at uh, processes, but they won't have a methodology and a tooling that will cover the, the company ability to deliver on a 360 basis. And that's the intellectual property that we've been building for the past five years. All right. And, uh, well, now real-life question. So how are you getting paid, I guess, uh, per hour or per project or, or how? So we charge uh, per project. Uh, we go, if it's an investment deal, uh, we charge a one-time fee for the deal, deliver the support to, during the transaction, and that's it. And then we have another model that's very frequent, which is after an investment being decided, be it the acquisition or a transformation of an internal system, uh, we stay together with the client for sometimes one or two years, helping them see the evolution and evaluate the progress throughout the process. So all the tooling that we use and the methodology that we use to assess the situation and give them a plan forward, we keep using that to show them, oh, yes, you're making progress or no, you're missing in certain areas, you're not making enough progress. And we help them really achieve what they set out to do. You mentioned that a little bit, uh, who are your target customers, but can you, uh, can you elaborate a little bit more? Who, who are they? Are they just investors or also the incumbents or, or the startups themselves? On which side of the market are you focusing on? So we have two big groups of clients. One are corporates that have uh, legacy systems they want to modernize. So they can be banks, insurance companies, uh, being industrial groups, retailers. And then uh, we have investors. And these investors could be M&A teams within uh, this big corporate or uh, venture capital and private equity investors acquiring technology companies. We usually work with the buy side, so the the investor side, the acquiring side, because the the sell side is usually too busy running their own business to prepare for investment large-scale question, what is your 
view on the state of technology innovation in Switzerland versus the rest of the world? As you said, you, you spent some time in California. Now you're back in uh, Lausanne in Switzerland. What do you think? Uh, where is Switzerland versus, the, versus others? So I think Switzerland is great in early stage innovation and coming up with um, amazing new technologies. It's, um, it's hard. Very few companies really scaling up to the 100 million turnover before being acquired. And part of the difficulty is also the uptake of local clients where you justify having a local presence uh, seems to be slow oftentimes. So the Swiss companies will be finding clients abroad. And then when an acquisition happens, there is a tendency to pull some of these companies out of Switzerland into other places. And I see that as a criticism. Oh, you know, we shouldn't be selling our companies. We shouldn't be... Um, letting these companies be acquired. And to do that, the, the, the Swiss industry and the Swiss clients, uh, if they were taking these services uh, earlier rather than later, that would provide a stronger base for these companies to retain and remain in Switzerland rather than end up going abroad. That's my I see. So where are you on your journey? I mean, I mentioned a few times you based in Lausanne, but are you thinking of having offices elsewhere or how do you how do you work with potential customers from abroad also in terms of uh, funding hiring obviously we are going through a very difficult times well and also how is that impacting you yeah so we're actually based in Yverdon right so very close to London uh, Yverdon les Bains we've been uh, hiring for the beginning of the year so so the hiring's been good we also been hiring people abroad for the business development and delivery of projects abroad. The coronavirus situation has slowed down lots of projects. So this has been hard. Business development, marketing work has been hard. It's hard to meet people and so on. So we see that our growth will probably be you know, 30% smaller than it was planned to be. Uh, but you know, we're tripling revenue year on year. So we'll still aiming to to grow quite a lot this year, more than double. All right. So my last question will be, where can interested parties reach you and what kind of uh, people or business contacts would you like to hear from most? They can reach us at uh, rodney at avalia.systems or on our website, there's a contact info at avalia.io or avalia.systems. And I'm really open to anyone. If you if you have a startup and you know you need to exchange ideas and see oh, what can we do better for an investor, for corporate M&A, for CTO, we really don't mind uh, paying forward and helping people out. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rodney, and good luck to Avalia Systems. Thank you, Rudy. It's been great. Thank you for listening to Voice of FinTech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.